Hello everyone, welcome once again to Reason for Hope. We're glad that you're tuning in and have joined us in case this is your first time. A Reason for Hope is an hour-long live broadcast. That's right, we are live with you, anything can happen. And it's all guided along by your questions on the Bible, any kind of question you have about the Bible, maybe a verse or passage of scripture that you'd like to explain a bit better. Maybe you'd like to know what God says about certain uh, topics or lifestyles or things going on in the world. Uh, maybe even other religions and belief systems as they um, compare to what the Bible says and Christianity itself or something you're going through and maybe on a more personal level you'd like to uh, honor the law but don't know um, really what to do, what decision to make and maybe we can offer you some, some wisdom from the word as the Lord guides us. So any question along those lines, as long as it's an honest question and once again as long as you know that the answers are going to come from the Bible, that's what we're all about here at A Reason for Hope. So we're glad you're joining us. You can join us on multiple platforms. I'll be going over those in just a moment, multiple ways that you can join us and send in your question. My name's Dave Robson. I'll be your host today. Be praying for Adrian Van Bacter. He uh, usually hosts on Monday. He's going to be off on a mission trip. If you don't know, he is, as well as doing lots of tech stuff and he does a lot of website work for us here at the church, he is an illusionist and he uses his gift to go out around the world and uh, basically just prove the so-called uh, you know real magic over there kind of recreates what they do and then shares the gospel pretty awesome and unique but he's off in India uh, that's right he's in India right he's off on his mission trip and uh, Egypt oh Egypt thank you Egypt yes. in Egypt yep. I knew that wasn't quite right it's like India Egypt so he's actually flying I think as we speak and so I'll be hosting for him uh, today and next Monday as well so be praying for him just for a fruitful time uh, there, but I'm glad to be with you. As I mentioned, my name's Dave Robson. I'll be hosting, I'll be on all those platforms with you that I go over, receiving your questions as they come on in with us today. Pastor Scott Richards, he's the senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, where we're broadcasting from. Thanks for being with us. Well, it would be a very short program if I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it would. I'd be uh, twiddling my thumbs and <laughs> well, sharing uh, some anecdotes. Yes. Yes. I'd probably read the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. That was a British good, cooking tips. <laughs> British cooking, yes. That's right. Yes. Yes, yes. yes indeed. Yeah. So thank you for for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. And um, I believe you're gonna be sharing a bit about the prophecy update as well in just a moment, which is always very- And neat. some hot cultural takes too. Yeah, well, hot cultural hot takes. Hot cultural takes. Wow. It's hot cultural take Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around, I mean, if that doesn't keep you sticking around, yeah. nothing will, I don't think. Well, um, as I mentioned, A Reason for Hope is a live broadcast Monday through Friday. We're with you from five to 6 p.m. We're here in Tucson, Arizona, Mountain Standard Time broadcasting from uh, Calvary Christian Fellowship. It's a ministry and outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson. You're welcome to come check us out if you're in the Tucson area, if you're looking for somewhere to, to fellowship and worship and uh, serve the Lord in the body here, you're more than welcome to do that. We're near Prince and I-10 on the west side of the freeway. Pretty uh, convenient location. CalvaryChristianFellowship.com is our website. You can get more information there. We have lots of events going on as well, especially coming up to Christmas here. Uh, but always Bible studies going on, support groups, all kinds of things, and of course our services as well. But if you go to that Watch Live tab, anytime we're live, we stream to that page. It will take you out to there. It's ccftucson.online.church. If you type that right in your browser, it'll take you straight there. Or again, just follow the link from calvarychristianfellowship.com. But when we're offline, you'll see a countdown to our next show. You'll see a schedule of upcoming events. But as we are live right now, you'll see the video, and you can sign in with a username, and then there's a chat function that you can send your question and I'll be right there with you receiving your questions as they come on in. We're on Facebook as well. We've been having ongoing technical issues with the connection to Facebook that they're working on. We're hoping tonight will be a good day, um, but be praying for that. But uh, 
just keep in mind these other platforms in case you struggle. CalvaryChristianFellowship.com is a great home base for you. But we're on Facebook, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, Lord willing, Facebook.com slash CCF Tucson. Don't forget to like and share. We'd appreciate that. And uh, once again, if something goes wrong, CalvaryChristianFellowship.com, you can back up to that. We have an app as well for your mobile device. If you go to your app store, look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. You can download us on your mobile device and watch us there and even send in your questions that way as well. And we have a channel on Roku and Apple TV. If you have those devices or smart TV, you can watch us on Roku and Apple TV as well. Just add us in your channel store there. We're on YouTube. A Reason for Hope is the channel name on YouTube. A Reason for Hope. Once again, we'd appreciate it if you would like and subscribe. And uh, if you click on that notification bell, you'll get prompted when we're live as well, so you won't have to miss anything. And that's, of course, another way you can send in your question on the comments as we go along here on the show. And anytime we've been live, it's uh, archives there on YouTube. So if you go to that live tab, if you missed a show, or you wanted to recap a question for your own study um, or check out some of our other live uh, events that we've done, it's all right there on YouTube under that live tab. Uh, Pastor Scott here is on, YouTube, on uh, Twitter as well. Scott R for H is his handle. Scott letter R, number four, uh, letter H. If you are on Twitter and would like to follow along with him, he posts all kinds of content, highlights from the show, and kind of commentary on news events and world events as things uh, happen. So much going on as it pertains to end times. Um, so follow along with Scott there on Twitter, Scott R for H. We're on Rumble as well. A Reason for Hope Bible Q&A. Just look for that on Rumble. We're not live on Rumble but we post videos there, some content there for your enjoyment. I'm not on Rumble myself yet, but you may be. It's kind of a newer platform. So join us there as well. Questionsforhope at gmail.com is our email address. Questionsforhope spelled out with letters at gmail.com. You can send us your question there as well. I think we have already a question lined up for tonight that came in through our email address. So email us there anytime. Welcome if you're listening to us on the radio. Drive safely if you're on your drive time on Reach Radio or one of the other radio affiliates keep in mind that you're listening to the last show that we did pre-recorded so we're not live with you so to speak but uh, questions for hope at gmail.com is our email address if you'd like to use that when it's safe to do so and we'll get to that question on our next show so once again send your questions in we're more than welcome you're more than welcome to send them we love receiving them as long as they're an honest question as long as you know the answers come from the bible not what we think or our take but as accurately as we can uh, god's word itself so send them on in be brave and we'd love to get to those questions right here today. right here it's all right there it's all right there in that book the good book yeah <laughs> as they say that's right we're not written by the man upstairs <laughs> that good book exactly yeah. it's yeah. certainly worth that hour here yeah. and so much yeah. more yeah well scott would you like to pray for us before we go any further man let's pray yeah boy we both need it don't we, we? do yes yeah. we do and so does our audience so let's yeah, pray father do. thank you that we can call on your name what a miracle it is to know that when our words are spoken here on earth, they're heard by you in heaven, uh, that, that you hang on our every word and not only hear the words that we say, but you're a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Lord, uh, I pray that this would be a time where you would reveal, maybe even from the questions that are being asked, the answers that are given, uh, the scriptures that are being explored, that you are a God that knows uh, our hearts and our minds, that uh, there might be those that are listening that really wonder if you're paying attention, if you know what's happening in their lives, and they feel a little lonely and a little separate, a little desperate. Mm -hmm. 
I pray, Father, that uh, you would speak very special things to them, that your word, uh, which is living and active, would speak directly to their hearts and, and allow them to know that you are the true and living God and uh, that you, Lord, look from heaven. You see all the sons of men from the place of your dwelling. You look on all the inhabitants of the earth. You fashion our hearts individually and consider all our works. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, your word shared and the fact that your word never returns void but always accomplishes what you send it out to do mm. would speak to people's hearts, bring healing, bring hope. Uh, Lord, even usher some people that may be on the outside looking in at a real relationship with you into that born-again experience where we can come to understand how much you love us and uh, be reconciled and made right with you because of what Jesus did, dying on the cross and rising from the dead to pay the price for our sins. Thank you for this awesome time that we have. Thank you, Lord. Uh, we pray that you would guide both Dave and, and my heart as we explore these uh, issues and uh, that you be glorified as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. That's such a great promise, isn't it, that God's word never returns void. It's such a good encouragement to yeah. share the word. Yeah, you know? You know, <laughs> even if we, if we don't uh, see it or not, um, right. you know, one day I think probably one of the most eye-opening, eyebrow-raising uh, moments that we'll have when we're in heaven is uh, to see just how powerful and impactful uh, the mere sharing of God's truth really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no matter what we look like or sound like or yeah. kind of production we make. Or, yeah, <laughs> you know? most, the, the most powerful force in the universe. Yeah. Uh, the, the Lord spoke the universe into existence by his word. Mm. We have the opportunity to let that same word transform our lives. Yeah. In fact, uh, Paul even mentioned how the same power is at work in us that raised Jesus from the dead. Right. You know, I think we really underestimate that. So, yeah. So let's do. not. Yeah, let's not, do that. <laughs> yeah. let's not do that. Well, you mentioned before the show, there's some things going on in the world um, to share, certainly things that would be of interest to us. So yeah, please. Monday usually is a great time for a uh, prophecy update yeah. uh, because so many things do happen over the weekend. Here with us on Friday, we talked uh, a bit about the uh, Jewish festival of uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, how uh, the idea of an annual celebration where uh, Jewish families would live in a tent literally, and uh, recreate the experience of uh, the people of Israel as they uh, went on their wilderness wandering for 40 years. And, uh, you know, a, a Jewish Thanksgiving ceremony is really what it amounts to because it is a retelling of how God provided their every need. Uh, a few years ago, there was a headline story in the uh, Tucson uh, Daily Star uh, here uh, where a U of A professor uh, declared that he had disproven the exodus because uh, he said that uh, if the figures given in the Bible as the population of the people of Israel leaving Egypt uh, were correct, uh, anywhere from two and a half to five million people, uh, and that uh, they were venturing through uh, the area of Midian, which is uh, northern Saudi Arabia, the desert area up there, that uh, there was no way uh, physically that they could sustain uh, a population like that out there. He said it would take a miracle. <laughs> and I said, well, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Come God, to the right place. God miraculously did that. And that's what the Feast of Tabernacles is all about, uh, reminding the people of Israel of God's miraculous deliverance. And it is also not just uh, a retelling of the Exodus. It is also a uh, very significant uh, picture of Jesus' incarnation, believe it or not. Uh, in uh, John chapter 1, we are told that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Literally, uh, the Word means tabernacled among us. And so this picture 
of uh, the eternal living God, God the Son, uh, taking on uh, a human body for a time. It was a picture of what the Feast of Tabernacles was all about and what it was, how it was fulfilled in Jesus' ministry. In fact, uh, it was even fulfilled in uh, a, uh, one of Jesus' most famous statements, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He said he shouted that on the great day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, because on that day, uh, the priests up at the temple would dump out these huge jars of water, and the water would literally run down the streets as a picture of how God provided water for the people of Israel in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, uh, I'm it. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 said that that rock that provided water for the people of Israel was Christ. Uh, and so we see that fulfillment there. But we also see that the Feast of Tabernacles will have a future fulfillment in that in uh, Zechariah chapter 14, we're told that all nations will be required to observe the Feast of Tabernacles when Jesus comes back to rule and reign again. So fascinating stuff indeed. Well, as you can imagine in Israel, uh, it does bring out uh, a number <laughs> <laughs> very uh, interesting uh, characters with very interesting uh, persuasions. One of uh, the uh, the real stressful moments during the Feast of Tabernacles uh, happened uh, uh, yesterday uh, when a an individual was arrested uh, in Jerusalem's old city attempting to bring a sheep onto the Temple Mount to offer it as a sacrifice. Uh. Uh, the suspect, according to the Jerusalem Post, religious activists of the Chorazim Lahar moment, uh, which advocates against the abandonment of the Temple Mount into foreign hands. The man was detained by law enforcement officials after being located en route to the temple. Uh, there's a picture of him, sheep uh, in tow, heading uh, for the temple to do just that. Now, if he'd gotten there and uh, done that, uh, you would have had a, a riot uh, yeah. to end all riots yeah. on the Temple Mount because the Muslims would not have liked that uh, a bit. Uh, they warned uh, that uh, there is no more room for Muslim rule on the Temple Mount and that uh, sacrifices would soon return. The third temple would be built on the Temple Mount. Uh, the official statement of the religious organization said, Dear government and Arabs, you are messing with the wrong generation. Uh, it is time to build the third Jewish temple and renew sacrifices. Mm -hmm. So we, we see these, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, tremors, uh, movements in that direction, that a Jewish temple will be re rebuilt on its historic site. Uh, another development that uh, dovetails with this is that uh, there is a lot of talk uh, about an impending uh, entrance of Saudi Arabia into what are called the Abraham Accords, the peace treaty that Israel has entered into with a number of different Arab nations. Now, if Saudi Arabia joins in on the Abraham Accords and normalizes relations with Israel, you better believe that is a sea change of, uh, of significance in uh, matters in the Middle East. Uh, our good friend Amir Sarfati points out that prophetically in Ezekiel chapter uh, 38, when the Gog and Magog invasion takes place, when a Russian-led coalition of nations invades Israel in the last days, that uh, Sheba and Dedan, uh, among other nations, uh, will lodge a protest about it. Uh, and uh, Sheba and Dedan are another name for uh, major cities that constitute what we know as Saudi Arabia today. So we may be seeing the stage set for just such a thing. Uh, interestingly, there is already a pushback, in a sense, uh, regarding 
of some of the negotiations going on with the Saudis and what it's going to mean in order for them to enter into uh, the Abraham Accords. Uh, they're going to uh, require uh, certain concessions uh, from Israel about the uh, Palestinians. But one of the most interesting ones that is bubbling to the surface is that uh, the Saudis may be pushing to supersede or at least share the oversight of what we would call the Temple Mount with the Jordanians. Now, that's pretty significant on a couple of different levels. Uh, first of all, if the Saudis uh, take over the oversight of the Temple Mount area where the Al-Aqsa Mosque is mm -hmm. and uh, the Dome of the Rock, uh, people have always wondered, okay, how are the Jews going to be able to rebuild their temple on its historic site when you have uh, what it's called the third holiest shrine in Islam, the Al-Aqsa Mosque on top of it. The Al-Aqsa Mosque, boy, it's a piece of work. I want to tell you, it's already been destroyed by earthquakes about eight different times in its history. Another one might happen, you never know. Yep. Uh, but uh, written on the outside of it are the, uh, the, the words, God is not begotten, neither does God beget. So it's not only an affront to the Jews, it's also an in-your-face to Christians, as we believe that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Right. So uh, what happens if the Saudis take over here? Well, you know, once again, we've discovered the Saudis uh, aren't really known for their subtleties. Uh, on our Israel trips, we've seen the Jordanian religious organization that oversees the Temple Mount in action. Uh, if, say, for instance, uh, they deem a woman's shirt or a woman's skirt is too short, uh, they will run up with a big beach towel and insist that she cover up. Uh, if a, a man and woman hold hands on the Temple Mount, the wakfa has been known to come up with a stick and actually hit them wow. to keep them from holding hands because they consider that a desecration of uh, this uh, holiest site. But the interesting thing, and this is one thing that I would really encourage you in our listening audience to keep an eye on, is that the Saudis have a very different view of the Temple Mount and its significance mm. than, say, the Jordanians or the, the, the general individuals in, uh, say, Palestine, Hamas, and, and uh, those who are uh, running the show in Gaza and so on, even the Palestine Liberation Organization, uh, the Palestinian Authority, in that the Saudis believe that the Al-Aqsa Mosque, according to the Quran, is not located in Jerusalem. But rather, this third holiest shrine in Islam is located about 30 kilometers north of Mecca in Saudi Arabian territory. Mm. So if the Saudis take possession of all of this <coughs> and uh, basically deem the Al-Aqsa Mosque, as far as they're concerned, uh, you know, a mistake, mm. uh, not, certainly not uh, the place where Muhammad allegedly went and had his midnight ride and, and so on, uh, the farthest point it was called in Islam. Mm. If uh, they deem that to be the case, well, then there really is no major religious reason why the Jews could not rebuild their temple on its historic site, aside from the fact that uh, Muslims believe that any territory that was once in control of Muslims is uh, to be in control of Muslims forever, and uh, any uh, suspension of this is an assault and an insult in uh, the face of Allah and that every Muslim needs to commit themselves honor bound to retake this territory. Well, that would include uh, the territory that we know as Israel today. And by the way, not just that, uh, they have the same attitude towards modern Spain, believe it or not.
mm-hmm. uh, because modern Spain used to be the Muslim territory of Andalusia. Mm-hmm. Uh, once the Muslims were driven out of there, it doesn't mean that they just, well, okay, I guess we'll let these um, uh, non-believers have it. Uh, they feel honor bound to take it back. Uh, so, uh, you know, very interesting details going on there. So a couple things, keep your eye on the Temple Mount and what's going on there. Keep an eye on the negotiations that are going on that, uh, the United States and our current administration, boy, they need some kind of foreign policy victory big time going into an election. I think uh, you're going to see a great push towards a major resolution, a major, uh, uh, reproach mali if you will between saudi arabia and israel so they can say see you know we've made a, a difference here in the world we've got something mm-hmm. to run on here so i think there's gonna be a definite push in that direction what the saudis receive as far as a concession regarding the temple mount very very significant mm-hmm. uh and how the saudis proceed uh, as a result of all of this now there's a big article in the jerusalem post if you want to read it an op-ed that says why we should never let the Saudis have any kind of control over the Temple Mount, among the reasons um, who's to say that the next Saudi prince who runs the House of Saud uh, is going to change his mind and think the opposite. Uh, They have a tendency of doing that, uh, that Hamas and Hezbollah and the Iranians would all consider uh, the Saudis uh, saying, well, the uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque shouldn't even be here. Mm -hmm. They would consider that blasphemy of the highest order and uh, the one thing <laughs> that you, you need to understand about the conflict in the Middle East, yeah, they all despise the Jews. Yes, they all despise the Americans, but the only ones they despise more are those who adhere to a different sect of Islam than they do. Oh, wow. So that's why it's such a powder keg. Yes. So yeah. that's what's going on as far as the Middle East is concerned. <laughs> one other thing uh, I wanted to point out because uh, you know we talked about uh, 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 modern media and hot takes on uh, yep. the latest and greatest. Yep. You promised uh, us, yeah. our, our friends at uh, Disney are on the edge of releasing a new uh, movie. It's called Wish. Now, when you think about Disney, you know, you think about the famous uh, uh, line from Pinocchio, when you wish upon a star, yeah. and it's sort of become uh, their company byline. And so mm. this movie called Wish follows along on that theme, but in a really interesting way with heavy-duty spiritual implications, Mm. believe it or not. Uh, According to an article in the Not The Bee website, they do a great job of summing up, it says this, this movie plays on the When You Wish Upon A Star theme that Disney loves. It's about a girl, Asha, meaning wish or hope or desire, who's invited to a predecessor, a magic king, who grants wishes to his people. The king creates order, law, stability, and peace. But then Asha learns that the king only grants the most important wishes, which seems unfair. Why would an all-powerful king who claims to love all his people withhold his power and mercy from some of his citizens? She even wonders, is this a good king? Uh, The king is also portrayed as being quite vain. Uh, The people around him adore him, even worship him. See where this is kind of going. (laughs) He is their father, God. But Asha has discovered that he is actually a villain. Uh Uh-oh. Instead, Asha will have to flee society the ordered realm of the God King who grants all the wishes and reconnect with Gaia, Mother Earth, the cosmic force that will grant her the power to become her own goddess with literal power from the stars. Uh, With this power, she will return to overthrow the patriarch king 
and free the people from the shackles of his rules in order to end oppression and grant everyone's desires. Well, uh, you don't need me to point out <laughs> that this is, you know, subtle like a crutch Yeah. Uh, as far as saying we just really don't like that God of the Bible and yeah. we're going to take another pot shot at him. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to dress it up and propagandize it in such a way that impressionable young minds go, oh man, you don't want to worship a God that would like actually hear your prayers and answer them, but only the most important ones, not everyone that you're going to ask, yeah. because that's evil. What you really need to do is you need to connect with Mother Earth and become yeah. your own God or mm -hmm. goddess. You know, you can almost smell the sulfur starting mm -hmm. to rise here. Uh, so, you know, the, the other issue that comes up here, and the, and the reason we bring it up to you, is, is not only the fact uh, that, uh, boy, uh, Disney sure seems all in as far as using uh, their vast uh, social impact and uh, artistry and media connections uh, to uh, basically wage war against the uh, God of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, it raises an interesting question that, that does come up on a regular basis. And uh, maybe you've been asked it before by some of your non-believing friends. They might say, well, you know, I prayed to God and I asked him to answer my prayer, but God didn't answer my prayer. Therefore, there is no God. Yep. You know, how can we believe in a God that doesn't answer prayer? That the, the, the phenomenon of unanswered prayer, yep. you know, is a, is a biggie in the minds uh, of an awful lot of non-believers. Yep. Uh, Ted Turner, who was the founder of uh, CNN uh, and an avowed atheist, uh, he wrote uh, the Humanist Manifesto, among all things, the New Ten Commandments, he would call them. Uh, you know, he said that he lost his faith when his sister got sick when he was a child and he prayed to God that she would be healed and she ended up dying. And he said his faith died right there on that day. Yep. A lot of non-believers will, you know, say, well, you know, I tried God and he didn't work for me. Yeah. Maybe you've heard that before. And, and really what that comes down to is, I asked God to do something, he didn't do it, therefore he does not exist or he is not someone I can trust. Either way, I don't wanna have anything to do with him. Well, what about the phenomenon of unanswered prayer? You know, it's interesting. Uh, maybe you've heard this before, but I think it bears repeating. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Uh, the God will always answer prayers, but he reserves the right to answer our prayers in one of three ways. Mm -hmm. Yes, which we love. Yep. No, which, well, maybe we can learn to live with sooner or later. Or even sometimes he'll say, wait. Yep. Um, you know, this really applies to prayers for physical healing. Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes we will pray and sometimes we'll see God miraculously intervene and heal. I think about uh, the story of my own dad and his cancer battle how God at one point miraculously intervened and uh, caused a, uh, a tumor on his adrenal glands yep. uh, there on Friday completely gone uh, by the next time he had a, a, a CAT scan days later. Yeah, uh, even the doctor was The, doc forward, the doctor right? yeah. said, I have no got scientific explanation for this. <laughs> but then about five years later, uh, my dad did end up dying from complications from not only cancer, but some other things. and. Certainly, I prayed for his healing both times. Mm. Well, you know, how do you make sense of that? Why does God answer in this case, but not in the other? Well, in the second case, uh, you know, although I was asking God for a healing, my dad was really suffering by that point. Yeah. 
And uh, because he had made his peace with God, because I knew that he was going to spend eternity with the Lord by putting his faith in Jesus as his Savior, mm -hmm. uh, there was no, you know, when I would pray, I would say, Lord, if you want to heal him here, you want to heal him there, feel free. Yeah. But I'll leave it in your hands, whatever your wisdom is in this situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I had great peace about all of that. Now, some people say, well, isn't that kind of a cop-out? You know, you can say that God answered your prayers, then he didn't answer your prayers, and he just said no, or he said wait. Not necessarily. Anybody who's a parent knows what it's like when your children come to you and make a request of you. Mm -hmm. And there are some times that they'll make a request of you, and, you know, if you're like me, and, uh, you know, I'll tell you, my, my daughter Sarah, for instance, uh, you know, you've heard you had me at hello, I remember when I first saw her shadowy image on a sonogram and the, the nurse said, oh, look, she's got big eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking at this and man, she just had me wrapped around her little finger from that time onward. So hard for me to say no to her for anything. But there have been times where I've had to say no to her yep. because from my adult perspective, I realized what she was asking for wasn't in her best interest. Yeah. Uh, that, that it was more loving for me to say no than yes. Yeah. Uh, great illustration of this, when I was, uh, uh, a little kid, uh, my uh, brother was 13 months older than I was. Uh, we got up early in the morning and uh, uh, we were playing around in a closet. And back during those days, uh, they had in closets what you would call mothballs. Mm. Um, you know, just these uh, plastic things that would hold these little donut shaped stuff that was full of a chemical called paradichlorobenzene, mm. which would kill moths. And the reason they were in a plastic thing was they were poisonous to people too. Yeah. So my older brother gets down this mothball case and he opens it up and it looks for all the world like a sugar donut. Mm -hmm. And my older brother looks at this thing and he kind of smells it, it smells funny. Is it a sugar donut? It is not. Well, let's do an experiment. We'll give it to my dumb little brother <laughs> and have him take a bite first. That's what little brothers are for. And, and then if it's okay, then, then he'd have some. Yep. So he gave it to me and I took a bite out of this thing and I, I just remember, it was like, yuck. And I remember walking down the hallway to my parents' room you know, with this donut in my hand, the, the mothball. And I remember, <laughs> I mean, it's like one of my vivid childhood memories. Yeah. I remember coming up to my parents' bed and it was about that high to me at that point. And my mom is like asleep, facing out with her head on the pillow. And I tap her on the shoulder and she looks at her second born and I'm standing there with this mothball, with these mothball flakes going down the side of my cheek. Suddenly her eyes got real big, all this screaming took place. Yeah. And I had my stomach pumped. Oh. So, uh, you know, imagine, though, what would have happened if my mom had gotten up five minutes earlier and walked in there and seen my older brother handing me this mothball and me reaching out to take it. Mm -hmm. She probably would have slapped the thing away from us. Mm -hmm. Now, for my, uh, you know, I think I was about three or four years old at that time, from my four-year-old perspective, all I would have thought at that point was that my parent is being mean to me. Yeah. They're denying me something that's really good because sugar donuts are really good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, why should we do that? And why would she be, you know, she'd slap my hand and that hurt and, and so on. Well, looking back on it all, I'd say the reason she did that was because she was a good parent. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes God looks at the stuff that we ask for and we, from our limited, finite human perspective, think for all the world, it's a sugar donut. It's going to be something that's going to be fulfilling and beautiful and delicious and everything else. But God knows the damage that it's going to do. You know, the other thing that uh, they point out that's uh, really interesting in the, the review of Wish on the Not the Bee website is this. And I would throw that out, this out to you in your audience if you ever struggle with this. What would happen in this world 
if, according to the plot line of Wish, God gave everybody the wishes of their heart. Mm. Everybody, all at once. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't just be chaos. Uh, the world would probably come to an end. Yeah. Uh, because the wishes of our hearts sometimes aren't real good. And nice right. people have wishes, and not so nice people have wishes. Yeah. And uh, Adolf Hitler had wishes, yeah. if you will. Charles Manson had wishes. Jeffrey Dahmer had wishes. Right. That was illustrated uh, in um, um, Bruce, uh, Bruce, Bruce Almighty. Almighty where yeah. it's, oh, just yes to all. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and everybody won the lottery, and everybody got two cents. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> so <laughs> right. so uh, the, the bottom line is this. You know, great insight into prayer is this. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, we are told, and this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, mm -hmm. he hears us. And if he hears us, we have the requests which we have made of him in whatever we ask. Yep. Uh, now, the key thing is asking according to his will. Uh, when I pray, when I have prayer requests, and sometimes I have very passionate prayer requests, sometimes I have very specific prayer requests, but the thing that I've learned over the years is this, God is good. God can be trusted. God has the bigger picture in mind. God has my ultimate welfare in mind. And so like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, I've learned to pray, okay, Lord, here's my desire. This is what I'd love to see you do in this situation. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. Your will be done yeah. because uh, when it's all said and done, uh, sometimes God saying no can be the most loving thing you would do. I think it was Ruth Graham who once said that if God had answered her prayers just the way she had prayed them, uh, she would have married the wrong man six times. Right. <laughs> so um, there you go. Yeah. So be on the uh, lookout uh, for uh, another uh, spiritual mm. scud being launched at us from the friendly folks wow. at Disney. Um, pretty sad stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, it's the, we need to realize that the spiritual battle that goes on is for the hearts and minds of people. And uh, the wicked one, I believe, really knows that if he can you know, inculcate into the minds of young people these kind of ideas, yeah. he can, in a sense, inoculate them from having a genuine relationship with a God who yeah. loves them. So, yeah, very scary. So parent uh, caveat emptor, be, uh, be very, very aware of the content your children are taking in. Yeah. Yeah, gone are the days where like, oh, it's an animated thing, it's safe, or Disney yeah. thing, it's safe. You know, yeah. those days are gone. Yeah, my folks used to say, go watch cartoons. Yeah, yeah. right, right. <laughs> I mean, how bad could it be? Yeah. <laughs> Unless you like had empathy for uh, coyotes falling off large precipices and yes. things like yes. this. Yes, which I did yeah. at the time, yeah. but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank you. We got, we got some great questions. Uh, come on in if you want to jump onto yeah, those. Yeah, uh, Question from uh, Casey. She says, good evening. Good evening to you as well. Thanks for being with us. Um, my adult son said that he feels a parent should earn the respect of their child. Is that true? Is respect something you should earn uh, from your parent or should they just respect you because you are their parent? Was there a both or well, a balance? It, well, it's interesting. Uh, and, and I guess the, the question I'd have, Casey, is is there any kind of a Christian framework that's right. involved there? Are we just talking about humanity in general? Uh, if we're talking about humanity in general and people that don't know God, well, if there's no God, then, you know, all morality is are power games. Yep. And uh, the ultimate morality of why you should listen to a parent is because I'm bigger than you. Right. Or I'll cut you off financially. Yep. Or there'll be bar bad, dire consequences for that. Yep. But the Bible says there's a higher view. There's a higher way of relating and why we should uh, respect and pay attention to and follow the counsel 
of our parents. It's found in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, where we read, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now, notice what children are told to do. They're to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. God commanded it. God said this is a commandment with a promise. You want things to be well with you. You may live long on the earth. Follow your parents' advice. Now, does that mean to follow your parents' advice if they ask you or to do what they tell you to do, if it's something immoral or illegal? No. Uh, Notice it says, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, as a former youth pastor, I used to have kids come to me and they'd say, you know, well, what do I do? You know, my parents are telling me to do this and I don't think it's right. Well, nine times out of 10, the, what they didn't think was right was, well, inconvenient or it was just something that they wanted to do and their parents weren't going along with it. And I'd say, you know, you get a chance and to be a, a real witness to your parents and just say, well, you know, this is something I really like to do. Uh, this is something that I want to do. But if you say no, I'm going to follow along with that because this is what God tells me to do. Nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. But there were a few occasions where parents were telling their children to do something that was immoral or illegal, to go along with something like that. And that's where you have that caveat there, obey your parents in the Lord. Mm. Um, You don't just say, well, I was only following orders. You know, I just followed this commandment and I'm not morally, no, God holds us morally accountable there. But like I say, nine times out of 10, you know, that's gonna be the situation. But the very next verse is really key. Verse four says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, notice it says, don't provoke your children to wrath. As a youth pastor and as a parent that uh, raised two kids, they're out of the house now. The old saying's true, just when they're fit to live with, they're living with someone else. Uh, but uh, but the, the surest way, the shortest distance between two points, if you want to provoke your children to wrath, is this is what you do. Drop the don't do as I do, do as I say bomb on them. You know, talk a big story about morality uh, and spirituality and don't follow through on it yourself. Be one person while you're in church talking the God talk and be somebody else at home. Remember when you were a teenager? You know, Dave, I don't know if you remember those days or not, but, (laughs) but, but remember... Uh, you know, we all as teenagers, especially had an incredibly sensitively fine tuned, uh, I call it the ferrometer. Mm-hmm. you know, we'd say that's not fair, Yeah. you know, and, oh, yeah. and yeah, you know, we were really hyper tuned in to all of that. Yep. Well, you know, that can be manipulative obviously, and it can be a way to throw a temper tantrum, but it can also be pretty indicative of the fact that, uh, kids, especially are really, really sensitive to hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that uh, should a child respect their parent because God says to? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And if we're dealing with a Christian framework here and you're able to appeal to that person from that Christian framework, you can say this is what God says to do and it's a command with a promise. And even if you don't understand why we're saying what we're saying right now, this is great training for you. Because there's going to be a lot of times after you get out on your own, in your own walk with God, where you're going to ask God for things, and maybe God's going to have a different point of view on this. And you're going to learn to say, well, maybe I need to defer to someone who's got 
a higher view on these things. Right. So, you know, again, that's from a Christian framework. From a non-Christian framework, the idea of respect, you know, is it granted or is it earned? Well, in a sense, it's granted because uh, by the way God set up the family, whether Christian or non-Christian, he set it up to operate on certain principles. Mm. And those principles can be enforced uh, by the carrot and the stick, if you will. Uh, you know, if you follow through and are a, a cooperating, supportive member of this family, follow through on the things we're asking you to do and the things we're asking you aren't immoral or aren't illegal or aren't capricious or aren't hypocritical, then whether you know God or not, you need to follow through on that. Yeah. And if you don't want to follow through on that, well, there's an alternative for you. Yeah. You can go and you know earn your own breakfast. Yep. You can go get a job and pay your own rent. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know have at it. Yep. Uh, so you know again, there's those consequences that are there. Uh, you know, I just think across the board, uh, as far as respect being granted or earned. I'll, I'll just apply it uh, to our situation as pastors, mm -hmm. Dave. Um, why should people respect uh, our takes as pastors? Well, on the one side of the coin, they should respect it if we are sharing God's word right. in its context, in its literal, grammatical, historical, and we're cutting it straight. This is what God has to say mm -hmm. to you from his word. They should respect the authority of God's word yep. And we have authority as we share God's word. But the minute we defer from that, uh, the minute we just uh, play personality or drop our resume or how dare you question me, I'm the pastor of this church, yeah. or how dare you question me, you bumpkin, I've gone to seminary for three years. Have you, do you, can you give me the Greek alphabet here? <laughs> you know, we start to do that. Well, I think in a sense, we've already lost the battle, yeah. right? Um, we want to, not only have God's word shared expressively, mm -hmm. but I love what Paul said to Timothy, be an example to the flock. Yes. Uh, make sure that it's applying in our lives and that we have a walk with God that's worth respecting. Yeah. And then it doesn't become an issue. Right. But the choice to respect or disrespect, we can do everything that we can, Casey, to encourage somebody in that direction, but ultimately they've got to make up their mind if they decide in rebellion against god to be disrespectful yeah. uh we don't bend the rules or try to accommodate to try to win their favor back uh we realize that uh well they got to deal with god god's going to be the one that teaches them lessons and pulls them up short right and uh boy a trip to god's woodshed can be <laughs> Pretty enlightening, pretty yes. eye-opening. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, very effective. So I, I, I'd say, I'd say, is respect earned or granted? Uh, there's a responsibility I have to be respectful to those who are in authority over me. Yep. Uh, but it is also something that uh, we should do our best not to provoke people to wrath, um, not to exasperate people, yep. not to make it difficult for them to follow our leadership because yep. they see there's a consistency there. Not that we're going to be perfect. Uh, none of us are, but there should be a consistent track record of a relationship with God worth emulating that, that, that puts us in that set of circumstances. Yeah. And even aside from, you know, parent-child relationship, again, from the Christian framework, we're called to submit to one another in love. Anyway, we're all called to do that, to, right. to put other people's um, 
uh, needs above our own and that kind of thing. You know, so whether we're a son or a father or mother or whatever, we are called to have that attitude towards each other. Um, but again, that's a Christian framework, you know, yeah. <laughs> out in the world. I mean, forget love and respect and all those things. Yeah, and, and I mean, if you want to play by the world's rules, you're going to get the world's results. Yeah. Um, you know, if you feel like you get respect because you got a bigger club, uh, wait till someone with a bigger club comes along and yeah. demands respect from you. Right. I'm not sure you're going to like that very no, much. That's so, yeah. yeah. It sounds like if it's, if it's an adult child, it sounds like there might be some broken relationship there in that, not necessarily you, uh, Casey, but just if your adult child saying, well, I, I'm only going to respect you if you earn that. It sounds like there's maybe some hurts from the past that may need to be talked about and put aside. So that might be something to, to prayerfully consider as well. But yeah. um, uh, thank you, Casey, for that, that question. Question from Art. Uh, he asks, uh, if a, a Christian... Um, supports abortion are they sinning is it a sin to support abortion as a Christian well you know I guess what it really kind of comes down to art is one key question and this is the question that always comes up when the question of abortion happens when does life begin uh, if you don't have an answer to that question then you know your opinion or my opinion or, or 50 other people's opinions are, are all of equal weight or measure but the fact of the matter is First of all, scientifically, we know when life begins. The moment that we have a fertilized egg, the moment that uh, the sperm and uh, the ovum united in your mother's womb, uh, you were not an inanimate object, you were a being. You were a being with 46 chromosomes, full genetic endowment that makes you human. You were a human being. The only difference between you and me and a fertilized egg is time and nurture. Therefore, any uh, active effort to uh, bring that process of development, human development, human life to an end violently as abortion does um, is something that we would call taking a human life. It would be supporting infanticide in a sense. Uh, big debate going on right now uh, about uh, which political party supports abortion all the way up until birth and people say oh we don't we don't say that but then you ask them okay well what restrictions would you put upon it uh to me personally even the debate that i've heard uh, even on the republican side of things supporting you know uh, abortion up to 15 weeks or things along this line uh you're drawing an arbitrary line and saying prior to this time we're not taking a human life but after this line is crossed, arbitrarily drawn, uh, we are taking a human life. Now, from a biblical point of view, uh, you ask the question, are you sinning if you support this? Yes, in fact, you are sinning if you support this in the same way that you would be sinning if you supported, say, for instance, the taking of Jewish lives in World War II as a uh, Jewish citizen of that time. You'd say, well, I, I never killed a Jewish citizen, uh, but if you supported and agreed with that particular uh, point of view that said that Jews weren't real people, they were subhumans, therefore uh, they could be disposed of, well, you're responsible before God for that. So, you know, when, when it comes down to it, it, you know, it's this, when the subject of, of when life begins comes up, the, the, the big question that we need to ask is, when did your life begin? When did my life begin?
Yeah. Well, God sees life as a continuum from the moment of conception through the moment of death. And because we're made in the image and likeness of God, we're told in passages like Genesis chapter 9 uh, that uh, the one that uh, takes a life uh, has committed not just a crime against man, but against God because we're made in the image and likeness of God. So um, when the subject comes up about this and is abortion a sin, and you know, I see some people saying, yeah, well, what, but what about this exception? What about that exception? And, and so on. Um, the, the question I ask them uh, is twofold. Number one, when did your life begin? Uh, and were you glad that your mom carried you to term? We see a pro-life, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, secondly, uh, and this one I think is, is really, really important for us to, to weigh through. Not only when did your life begin, but have you ever watched an abortion take place? Mm. You can go online and you can watch the procedure. You can yeah. watch the whole thing. And when you see the evisceration of these tiny little bodies, these tiny little hands and these tiny little legs uh, coming out, um, to be able to say you support that, you're in favor of that, uh, is definitely something that certainly doesn't uh, fit what Jesus had to say uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 19. We're told that little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray, but the disciples rebuked him. In other words, little children weren't important enough for Jesus to actually bless. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for if such is the kingdom of heaven. In fact, Jesus went on to say that uh, anyone who causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their mm -hmm. neck and be tossed in the sea. Right. So Jesus definitely was pro-child. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah. Uh, so is it a sin? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I really believe it is. Uh, it amazes me how many people will go to Bible teaching evangelical churches and hold that point of view. But uh, wow. when we stop and think uh, that Psalm 139, King David said, your eyes saw my unformed substance and the days which right. were ordained for me when there was not yet one of them. Yeah. Unformed, before the first cell divided, if you will. Wow. God considered David to be David yeah. and saw the whole deal. Right. So. Um, just one other thing I'd add to it, you know, I mentioned, you know, how uh, seeing my daughter on the sonogram uh, had such an impact on me before she came into the world. It's really amazing to me how people that are really stridently pro-abortion uh, will make these huge statements about how in favor they are of this process. But then if someone in their family becomes pregnant and is uh, the process of having a baby, they won't refer to that as the fetus as the clump of cells, yeah, it's always, oh, the baby kicked. Right. And they're always so great, glad and great that the, the baby was delivered healthy in all of this. Well, yeah. why is that different for them than somebody else you don't know? Yeah. Uh, when it's personal, somehow these things come into line. And when I think about my daughter, Sarah, uh, when we went for our first sonogram, uh, the sonogram tech uh, looked at us and said, oh my goodness, I have such bad news to tell you. Um, the, you know, this, this child, the, the development's all wrong. This child's going to be severely deformed. You should have an abortion. You should have it right now. Wow. That was for Sarah? Sarah. Wow. And we were just stunned. And I said, well, I'm sorry. That's not an option. I was so stunned. I didn't stop to think. Who in the world are you yeah. as a sonogram tech yeah. to be saying this to prospective parents, yeah. even if it's true, shouldn't this come 
from our doctor, from a pediatrician after a couple of, you know, but she was, oh no, she just have it aborted right now. Wow. Well, what happened was our doctor miscalculated the conception date. And that's why mm. the, de- the development on the sonogram looked different than it, than it was. Yep. And if we hadn't been pro-life and willing to accept any kind of consequence, any kind of burden that would come with say having a child yep. with deformities or, or physical defects, but loving that child just because of the child that God gave to us, um, if we didn't have that point of view, we would have probably listened to that sonogram tech yep. and I would have never come face to face with my sweet little love goose yep. who has the big eyes and who has her daddy still wrapped around her little finger. Yep. And now as a full-grown, beautiful woman living in yep. San Diego, we had a great job out there. And just, uh, you know, just the, the delight, the delight of our eyes. Mm-hmm. But treated like something disposable yeah. or an inconvenience by someone like a sonogram tech. Yeah. Wow. You know, we really have to be careful yes. with our point of view on that. Absolutely. So I'm a little passionate about that. <laughs> yes, Every yes. time I see Sarah, I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. wild. Yeah. I mean, she's... She's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm wow. glad you think so too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sean might have a Not different as, opinion. You're right. Yeah. It's all perspective. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. Art, thank you for that uh, uh, question. Hope that was clear for you. <laughs> it was. Question from Adrian. We're getting. We're coming up on the end of our show already. Believe it or not. Question from Adrian here. Uh, can you explain why a new believer should be baptized? Also, when should they be baptized? That's a great question. Lots of different views on that, different churches you may go to. Well, uh, Adrian, uh, the, the, the bottom line is this. Um, we see uh, baptism almost immediately following conversion in Scripture. It was something that was really uh, stressed. Why? Because when we're water baptized, what we're doing is we are enacting Uh, in a sense, an outward declaration of an already inward completed spiritual baptism that is taking place. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, we're told by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. The moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we were immersed literally by God's spirit into the body of Christ. In the book of Romans chapter 6, we are told what the picture of baptism is all about. Uh, It is all about identifying with Jesus Christ. In uh, verse 3 of Romans chapter 6, we're told, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, referring to spirit baptism, were baptized into his death? There were, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So when we are water baptized, understand, if you haven't given your life to Jesus and you're water baptized, all you're gonna get out of it is wet, right? right? But if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, we should want to be water baptized because it is the first of the good works that God has prepared beforehand that Mm. we should walk in them, uh, according to Ephesians chapter two and verse 10. We're not saved by works, but we're saved for good works. Water baptism does not save us, it is a work. If water baptism can save us, then we can boast before God saying, I held up my end of the bargain, I was water baptized, I did this in order to get to heaven. No, we do this because we've already been spiritually baptized, we've already been spiritually born again. And because Jesus said to do this, this goes back to uh, the the, the practice of uh, mikvah in uh, in Jewish circles. If you were to approach the temple to worship. If you go with us on our trip to Israel in 2025, you'll see these mikvahs that are all over the southern steps. There are these places where you could self-immerse 
And when people would come to the temple, they would come and they would self-immerse in these mikvahs because they were saying, I've lived a life of sin. I've lived a life that dishonored God. I'm leaving that life behind. I'm going to live a new life now and approach God. And and so that's what water baptism is all about. It's an outward picture Mm -hmm. of an already inward completed spiritual act. And, you know, is it necessary for salvation? No. Is it something we should do to please God? Absolutely. And uh, if you've given your life to Jesus, I think you'll find that if you are water baptized, um, you know, God is really going to honor that in your life. Yeah. He's going to bless it. You know, you're going to find a real uh, growth in your understanding of identifying with Jesus' new life that he gives to us. And uh, it's just a beautiful thing. We have three people baptized uh, between our services uh, yesterday. It's just so uh, wild how many people we're seeing get baptized uh, here all the time. Yeah. You know, sometimes they don't even sign up. They say, well, I want to be baptized. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) All right. There you go. It is. It is a beautiful experience. I remember that. So not not part of some some places, some churches will say that it's part of salvation. Right. If you haven't been baptized, then then that you're not saved. Am I right in saying that? Absolutely. Some places believe that. Absolutely. Yeah. But but the clear teaching of Scripture supersedes uh, the obscure teaching of some of these legalistic groups. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right. You know, we're not saved. Jesus' death on our behalf and my faith in that sacrifice plus water baptism, plus church membership plus tithing, plus reading your Bible every day, plus saying your prayers. Anything wrong with saying your prayers, tithing, water baptism, the list goes on and on? No, but they don't save us. We don't do that in order to be saved. We do that because we're saved. Out of time for today. We'll see you again, same time tomorrow. God bless you guys. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.